Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern Bar Cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome to episode 264 of the Modern Bar Cart Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Koslick. Thanks for joining me for another interview episode where we track down the best and brightest minds in the spirits and cocktail world so that we can share their secrets with you. This time around, I'm joined by Mike Vanderhorn. He's a bartender based in South Jersey who's made the switch from home enthusiast to professional mixologist, and he's also been making waves at the highest levels in the brand-sponsored cocktail competition space. We're going to dig into all of that in this conversation, but before we do... It's only proper that you should have the opportunity to make yourself a drink. This episode's featured cocktail is the original drink by Mike Vanderhorn that earned him a top 100 spot in this year's Diageo World Class Competition. As he describes later in the interview, it was designed in response to a challenge called Ready, Set, Spritz. And to make it, you'll need one ounce of Tanqueray 10 gin, three quarters of an ounce of apricot liqueur, one quarter ounce Suze, one ounce grapefruit juice, three ounces of champagne, two dashes of grapefruit bitters, and just a splash of club soda. Combine the gin, liqueurs, and grapefruit juice in a stemmed wine glass, or really any spritzable glass over ice. Then top up with the champagne, adjust your wash line with a splash of club soda, hit that bad boy with a couple dashes of grapefruit bitters, garnish with a grapefruit wedge and a rosemary sprig, and enjoy. This cocktail was submitted in response to the aforementioned prompt for this year's world-class competition, and along with some deft storytelling, the flavors and presentation earned Mike a spot in the U.S. Top 100 and eventually the Top 30 who would compete in person in Austin, Texas. So, with all that in mind, let's turn our attention back to the interview. In this inspiring conversation with bartender Mike Vanderhorn, some of the topics we discuss include Mike's personal journey, from his humble origins as a rum and diet drinker, to the cocktail competitions that would ultimately lend him the authority to step behind the bar as the head bartender at the newly opened Queen Jane's Lounge and Royal Drinkery in Summers Point, New Jersey. The different types of cocktail competitions that exist in today's world, ranging from the purely digital to the lavish fly-you-into-a-big-city-to-compete affairs put on by the world's largest brands. Then we walk through his journey at this year's Diageo World Class US event, where he competed against 29 of the best bartenders in the country without ever having bartended professionally in his life. Of course, that leads logically to his latest project over at Queen Jane's Lounge, which requires a thorough discourse on the drink culture in South Jersey, which is one of my personal favorite places, but it's a little difficult to understand unless you've spent a good deal of time there. Along the way, we cover the best resources for learning about and entering cocktail competitions, the daunting widowmaker of an event called the Speed Round, how to pronounce Snoop Dogg's gin, and much, much more. Mike has shared with me an Instagram broadcast channel where he's aggregating a lot of the resources in this episode, plus some extras, for those who might be interested in following in his footsteps and competing in cocktail competitions in the future. So, of course, we'll link to that broadcast channel in the show notes like we always do. But 
I'll also post it on our community Discord server, along with a ton of other great conversations and breaking news items that are updated weekly. That's also the place to go if you want the chance to ask questions for upcoming guests, share cocktail recipes, and raise a virtual glass with other Modern Bar Cart listeners. It's completely free, and if you want to join, all you need to do is drop me a line at podcast at modernbarcart.com, and I'll send you an invite. With that, please enjoy this fascinating glimpse into the world of professional cocktail competitions and so much more with the first home bartender to make it into the Diageo World Class U.S. Top 30 competition, Mike Vanderhorn. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. So for our listeners, just kick us off with an intro. Who are you? What do you do? Uh, so my name is Mike Vanderhorn, and I am the head bartender at Queen Jane's Lounge and Royal Drinkery in Summers Point, New Jersey. And I've been in the industry for about two days now. Uh, <laughs> I started off as like home bartending like a couple of years ago, and getting into competitions and stuff and realized that I really wanted to be, I, I fell in love with cocktails first, but then I got into, you know, bigger competitions and I realized how much I love the hospitality industry and the people who work in the hospitality industry. And so that brought me to where I am today. And we just had our grand opening this weekend. The grand opening for the bar. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Saturday so you- and Sunday. So you've been a busy, busy boy lately, and we're going to dig into a number of those things. Uh, but let's let's slow it down a little bit. What were those early kind of inklings, like as a home bartender, that kind of snowballed into the impulse to actually jump behind a bar? And were there any, I guess, specific mentors or establishments along the way that kind of have scaffolded you up to the point where you're at now? Yeah, sure. So I guess it really starts further back than when I became a home bartender because it came back to like the first craft cocktails that I really enjoyed. So I was a rum and diet guy for a very long time and really wasn't into like the flavors and cocktails. And my friend actually got into it and got into going to nice craft cocktail bars and like just really enjoying like, you know, the flavors and trying to get me into it. And I was like, no, I don't need that. Like whatever. Um, but finally she got me to try a whiskey sour with an egg white at a bar in Atlantic city. And everything changed for me. Like that literally that one cocktail changed my life in a way I never expected. And so from there it started getting into like, you know, my first Negroni that I liked after the first like 20 that I didn't like. And so we just, uh, we spent a lot of time making and tasting cocktails together. And so honestly, she was probably my first mentor. Her name is Beth. She works in the hospitality industry locally too. Um, she was bartending for a while, but she's not. And she's, I don't want to say she's less into cocktails now, but she's definitely not into it the way that she was, but I certainly am. So maybe I think it was almost exactly two years ago. And I found out about the uh, Snoop Dogg's Indigo Gin competition. And I don't know where I found it. I don't know how I got, I don't don't even remember, but um, I'm like, oh, I'm going to enter that. Like, that sounds really exciting. I had like a little bar cart going on. I'd learned how to make like syrups and stuff like that. And so I made a cocktail for it. It was delicious. And I got into the top 10. And so that was like a huge jumping off point for me. Like, oh, this is actually fun. In the meantime, I also found out that there's an entire community on Instagram dedicated to cocktails and craft cocktails. And so I started making friends online and I started like really like 
learning about these other people who are into cocktails and at the same time trying to find all the competitions to enter I could because I'm a competitive person like and so I wound up entering the Liber and Co um, syrup competitions they held a couple of years ago and I got in second place and first place and I want a bit of money and so it's it's been snowballing from there and I've met so many really cool people on Instagram and you know it for the first year and a half that's pretty much what it was about it was about that um that connection online and that connection like with you know people who were doing what I was doing, making cocktails at home, taking pictures of them. And I went from taking iPhone pictures to using an old DSLR to maybe six months ago, I bought a really expensive, nice mirrorless camera. And so it's just been, it's been this like steady ascent, but like a lot. It, it, it's happened like very quickly for me, like where I got yeah. very invested in the Instagram stuff, the competition stuff. Yeah. And then that's when the big thing happened that I got into the top 10 national finals for Patron perfectionists. And that was absolutely life changing. Like that was, I, I can't even explain that. Like I was excited when it happened, but I didn't realize how big it was going to be for me. And so, um, I got paired with a mentor, Sam Willie, who was a is a, is still a brand ambassador for Patron. Um, I think he's moved up in the company, but and so we talked. But you know, they flew me out to Denver. We the, we were going to Death and Co. Denver was hosting it, and so at this point, I had learned about a lot of the really cool bars in the country, and like you know, like I've been to New York a bunch of times, Philly a bunch of times, like going out to cocktail bars and like really enjoying like the hospitality I was getting from there, and also the cocktails, and so. When I got to Denver and met some of the best bartenders in the country, met Sam, met all these brand ambassadors for Patron, I realized just quite how big this thing was. And so that's when I really kind of fell in love with hospitality. And so that was like, to me, that was a huge turning point. Like it was a huge moment where I was like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe this is what I want to do. Yeah. So to clarify, this is this is something you know. I, I Google around, like I saw you still rank pretty well for some of these competitions that that you entered into and were successful with. So I was kind of like, yeah, I was like clicking through your backlog on the Google machine, and kind of like you know, I saw our Indago, Indago, Indigo, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it looks like Indago. You would think it's Indago, but it's Indigo. And and some of these other competitions, and I was like, oh. So this guy, like I, I came across a post the for our first touch point, and this might sound pedantic, but it, this is going somewhere. Our first touch point, you and I was actually on Reddit. It was you, you posted like a recipe or you commented on something else. And I was like, Hmm, like this is, this guy's interesting. I want to reach out and, you know, see if we can maybe get a conversation going for the podcast. And based on what you were putting out on Reddit and based on all of these competitions, I naturally assumed that you had been behind the bar, like working in the hospitality industry <laughs> for multiple years. So when you say that you're with, you know, Queen Jane's Lounge and Royal Drinkery that's just opened, is this your first official hospitality gig? So, yes, this is my first official hospitality job. I... So from Patron to now, I had been looking for part-time bartending gigs and, you know, maybe bar backing, you know, like I was really interested in getting into the hospitality industry, but I I don't know, I, I it fluctuated a lot whether I wanted to like try to dive straight in, but um, I interviewed, I got into the bars to have a conversation with the bar managers or the owners, making cocktails for them. And like, I just never got that call back. And then... It, I think 
it's probably been a month and a half now, maybe two months. I went to this like open call interview at a liquor store. And I almost didn't go. Honestly, I almost didn't. Um, it was like a weird setup, whatever. But I met Morgan, who is – couldn't even tell you what her job is. She does everything at the group that owns Queen Jane's. And we hit it off a little bit. And so she introduced me to the owner, Michael Bray. And after like a round of like four interviews, I said to him, I was like, listen, I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do when it comes to Queen Jane's or even when it comes to hospitality. But like I want to be all in on this. I want to be your head bartender. I want to be, you know, I want to do this. And I I think after meeting with me so much, you, you know, he really respects like my passion for cocktails and the passion for the industry. Um, but he has the same concerns that everyone else did. They, I never worked in the industry. So how could I know how to be a bartender? Like, and to me, like, I'm just like, I got this. Like I, wherever I'm working, I got this. I will figure it out very quickly. And so he gave me the opportunity and I created the entire initial cocktail menu. I picked out so many bottles and so many things and they just let me kind of do my thing when it came to the cocktails. And then we got to our soft openings, which like were really like the, like a test for me. But honestly, I felt like I did pretty good. Like, you know, little things here and there, you know, and we're, we're all big on feedback, you know, like, so we had a meeting after a few of them and, you know, some things that they wanted me to do better, some things that I was concerned about. And so we just have like this really good, like feedback back and forth going on. And then, you know, of course I was gone for a week and a half and then I come back on Saturday, have to prep everything for our grand opening. And it's a bar with 37 seats, no, no real food. We have like really good snacks and stuff and like small plates, but it's not like a restaurant. But yeah, I came back and prepped everything. It was like a 13 hour day for me, jumping right into service. And I, I, I don't think it could have gone better. It went really well. Um, we had like 120 people in and out. Like it was really, really, really big because Michael is, uh, pillar in the Summers Point community. Like they're the, every single person that I've spoken to has nothing but good things to say about him. And I'm finding every day, like, I'm just, I'm like, I don't want to say parroting, but like, you know, the things that he says to me, like he's really big on like incremental improvements and like flexibility. And I just say that to people all the time now. And I'm, so I'm learning a lot from him in that regard. But yeah, the bartending thing is it's um, I'm getting there, I'm getting there with the, the speed, the skill. Um, but I was never worried about making the cocktails. The cocktails are all awesome. So I'm really excited. Yeah, this is really helpful for me as I kind of like figure out the timeline here, because as you mentioned earlier, this is this has been like a rapid, a rapid change. Yeah, um, I'm still trying to figure out the timeline, honestly, like <laughs> it's it's been really fast. It's been really life changing. So one, one of the things that I want to get to is why you were gone for a week and a half. We're burying this lead really hard, but <laughs> I think this question needs to come first. And the question is. So if you were a home bartender and had not really spent any time behind a bar professionally during these competitions, and I'm thinking specifically during the Patron Perfectionist where you were actually flown out to Denver, what was the vibe? Like what, what were the conversations like when this was revealed to the other bartenders who were there? Did you run into anybody else like yourself and like, were, was, was it mostly positive or, or did you, did you, were, were the, were the eyebrow raises like very thinly veiled? Uh, those are great questions because that was something that I was both worried about and excited about. Yeah. Um, 
I, and it's interesting, especially for Patron. So I get out there and I'm talking and hanging out and I'm a very honest and open person. So it wasn't like hidden and eyebrows were raised a little bit, but not in like, not in like a, a, a negative way. Like it was just like, they were like, oh, you got here. And throughout the competition, like when people saw me get behind the bar, they couldn't tell. And so at each there were like three challenges and for each of the three challenges, the crowd got a little bit bigger and I overall, like, I think the word that I can use is like crazy impressed. Everyone was crazy impressed with me. I was the first home bartender exclusively finalist of Patron Perfectionist ever, like national finalist. And, you know, they had like regional competitions before, like the structure changed this year, but I don't, uh, from what I understand, nobody else had gotten into this competition as exclusively a home bartender. And as far, you know, I, I, I think that changed a lot of hearts and minds that week. You know, I made a lot of really cool connections. I got to meet a lot of really big people in the industry. Um, Lauren Moat was one of the judges, Steven Gonzalez from the Park Hyatt in New York, um, and Julia Cucurullo from the Artesian in London. I mean, these people, you know, competed in Patron for Julia and Steven. Um, Lauren Moat is like the head of Patron Perfectionist. And it's, you know, getting to meet and talk with these people was awesome. But yeah, it was very, everyone was very surprised. Like, and then the people that hadn't talked to me directly, or I hadn't talked to them directly, that when I did get a chance to talk to them after they'd seen one of my challenges, they're like, what do you mean you're a home bartender? I'm like, I, my first time behind a bar was today at Death & Co. Denver. Like, I had literally never made a drink behind a bar before that. Yeah. That is, that is a lot, man. Um, it's, it's interesting because I feel like I am, I've been involved with cocktail competitions from almost all of the aspects aside from competing in them. Uh, I've judged, I've emceed a number of times and I've sort of helped some smaller brands. Obviously Patron doesn't need my help. Snoop Dogg doesn't need my help. <laughs> Usually every once in a while he'll call me, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I've helped some smaller distilleries kind of, you know, organize and set up these types of events. And so I've, you know, been kind of involved in like the, the structure of it. So maybe we can talk like how, how, how certain competitions can differ, uh, at some point here, but, but yeah, that's, that's crazy. And, and, uh, I think we'll just leave it at, yeah, that's crazy because we're, I, I have a feeling we're going to return. We're going to yeah. keep on returning to this as, as we go here. Uh, I think we might, we might soon reach a new level of, yeah, that's crazy. So tell everybody <laughs> why you were just gone for a week and a half. And let's, let's, you know, this, this brings the timeline pretty much as close as it can get to the present day. Yeah. So finish us out there. Tell us about, Diageo world class, and then we'll we'll kind of circle back on some of the finer points of the craft. So just as I was finding out I was part of Patrol Perfectionist, I was submitting my cocktail for Dia World Diageo presents World Class. No, it's U.S. World Class sponsored by Diageo 2023. That one's already U.S. World Class 2023. It's like Tom and, Clancy's Splinter Cell. Yeah, it's just it's it's like one yeah. too many words, but I don't know yeah. which one to take out. Um, so I was submitting my cocktail for World Class, and I was excited about it. I was uh, I was pretty confident that I would at least get to the top 100, and I did. And so it was you know, a really awesome feeling. It felt like very validating. And then it was like, okay, the wait till the top 30. And 
I got feedback in between there. And my feedback was overall wildly positive, like wildly positive on paper, like everything was in the top 25%. So I was like, I'm probably it. And then I got I got the announcement. I was a part of the top 30 national finalists for um, US world class. And I would be going out to Austin this past week to compete against some of the best bartenders in the world. The big competitions all kind of have the best bartenders, in, not in the world, in the country. They all have a lot of the really good bartenders from the country. But world class I feel like it attracts a certain type of bartender that may have done other competitions in the past, but a lot of the people I spoke to this week really only do world-class. And then a lot of them do a lot of the smaller ones that are like a little less intensive than like maybe MIP or like Bacardi Legacy or uh, the Florida Kanye Challenge. But, you know, for the most part, this is this is as top as it gets. World-class is the easily, I think, the largest cocktail competition in the world. And to be at the U.S. National Finals as a home bartender was pretty crazy. And this was like my last time where I even mentioned that because um, for, for these types of competitions, because now I am a professional bartender um, and these competitions obviously kind of helped make my case that I should be behind the bar. Um, but yeah, world-class was an amazing experience. Um, I, it, it was from Monday to Friday. I flew in Monday, flew out Friday, but it, it went by so fast, but also seemed to stretch on forever at the same time. Um, it was it was a really really awesome time. Um, I didn't place. I didn't. It, there was uh, this little thing called a speed round, which I don't know if you've ever seen some speed rounds, but uh, I did not prepare well enough for that. Uh, <laughs> and even if I had, like, there's there's no saying that uh, I would have even done well. That is so hard it is so difficult i had to having to make eight separate cocktails in 10 minutes and be a hospitable bartender like that's a skill that like you don't even develop just bartending like that's something you have to practice one of my fellow competitors he went to seven different bars in seven different weeks and had the bartenders there judge him based on the rubric for his speed challenge giving him little notes giving him getting his timing down making all the cocktails you know so the i knew obviously i knew it was a big deal but i i don't think i understood the scale and scope of what that speed round would look like the other two rounds were the 8 minute rounds that i was used to from patron you know so i felt confident in those and i felt like i did really well in those you know like i didn't have any like major mishaps i had good stories good good information and great cocktails like they were interesting and they tasted good so that was those ones i feel like i did pretty well in but yeah that speed round i i'm gonna have to practice really hard for that one if i get in next year like i'll be practicing before i even know if i get in because it's intense it's intense Sure. Well, let's get a little bit more granular then. Tell us about the drink that you submitted for World Class and tell us more about those other rounds. And maybe that'll help us branch into like some of the differences between these competitions. Seems like with um, World Class, the speed round is, is, a, is one of the sort of hallmarks of their competition. One of the, you know, the sort of like uh, uh, litmus tests that, that, is a really hard thing to, you know, kind of winnows out the crowd a little bit, but yeah, tell us about the, the cocktail and like, 
Yeah, start from like your concept development because I think this is this is something that a lot of our listeners are probably curious about, intensely curious about, but probably don't have a very good window into it. So, like I assume that you had to use Diageo products, like kind of walk us through like the cons- the creative constraints, how you developed it, and then like how you kind of walked that cocktail through uh, the competition. Sure. Um, and so like, obviously any con- competition that's sponsored by a brand, you have to use their products. The cool thing about Diageo is that they have so many and they're so good. Like, you know, Tanqueray 10 is literally my favorite gin. And that's before I even knew the name Diageo. You know, that's just been one of my favorite gins for years at this point. Like, and that is the one I chose to use for my cocktail. So for the entry cocktail, the challenge was to create an aperitivo cocktail that you would pair that you would pair with a a certain event there was like backyard barbecue poolside i forget what the one i actually did was because it's so long ago now it's almost six months ago now that i created that that first serve um but there were different categories and so but it was aperitivo hour and we were to create an aperitif cocktail um using at least one ounce of diageo product um one of their reserve spirits and there's a lot of little details um, that I'm not remembering so much right now, um, but like it's it's a little bit more open format than the challenges for the final competition. So, um, you know, there wasn't like any ABV requirements or like, you know, it was just create that aperitivo serve for that particular, you know, occasion. And why? Why did you create this cocktail? What inspired you? Um, and so as much as creating a delicious and balanced cocktail is important for this your storytelling abilities are, I'd say, equally important in a lot of ways. And so I turned the competition, the idea, on its head a little bit. Instead of aperitivo hour, I went with aperitif hour. And so I wrote about being at a cafe in France and ordering, you know, sitting down and looking at their cocktail menu and really kind of diving into, like, you know, how these flavors all kind of work together. And, you know, so it was a really, like, it was probably the most intensely I workshopped the cocktail. I'm very much like I, I write a cocktail down and it's pretty freaking good, if not perfect already. I've just got that like mathematical flavor pairing kind of thing going on. I don't know. I'm very good at that part of it. So a lot of times, not usually for competitions, but like my Instagram posts, like it's I don't usually have to edit a cocktail. It's usually pretty delicious when I make it on the fly. Those are like some of my favorite cocktails is something I've just made for myself when I wanted to have a drink and I'm like, yeah, I'm posting that one. That's really good. But this one went through probably 10 iterations. And the big thing was I wanted to pair it with a charcuterie board. And so it was the whole thing of getting the charcuterie board and this spritz cocktail. Uh, That's what it was called. It was ready, set, spritz, which I thought was a very interesting challenge comparative to other ones I'd seen that didn't get that granular with the type of cocktail you were making. And so I made this spritz cocktail. It had Prosecco. It had Tanqueray 10. It had Suze in it and grapefruit juice yeah i think i used grapefruit juice i probably should have like pulled this up before we started talking um because i'm I, like i make a lot of cocktails like i'm posting a lot so it's hard but yeah it had it had a bunch of ingredients it was complex which you know like i'm i'm the complexity guy i i appreciate simplicity but like not when i'm making it you know like i like to get deep into flavor pairings and profiles and so i think one of the things that might helped is i'm really big on depth of flavor in cocktails so i paired grapefruit juice with grapefruit bitters in the cocktail and in a spritz that depth is like it kind of i don't know it made it 
it made me feel really good. Oh, I'm lying. I used champagne. I used champagne, not Prosecco. Uh, and I wound up buying like a really nice bottle of champagne. And like we, uh, my partner and I like kind of did up our photo shoot, set it up, had the charcuterie in the picture. It was a beautiful photo. And I was really happy with that part of it too. Uh, but then we just kind of like enjoyed the charcuterie board in my living room, like while we were eating the cheese and uh, drinking the cocktail. So it was really cool. Um, really cool experience just taking the photo and like getting it submitted. But yeah, it was that, it was that storytelling ability that I think kind of, set me apart to get me to that top 100 and then the cocktail was really good so um the judges all really liked it and i was paired up against like 99 other people's spritzes and i came out on the top 30 of that so yeah really really interesting experience and really like really interesting for me to get that deeply into r&ding that cocktail like because again like i don't usually get that deep into it but for world class i felt like it was worth it So then you get on a plane eventually when the time comes, you fly into Austin. We've already talked about the speed round. What were the two other rounds of that event like and how were they judged? Because I think what we've talked about to this point was like the judging of a concept and uh, your storytelling ability. Now, of course, the storytelling ability is something that obviously is important in the, the live action rounds as well, but like what were those other two events like and what were your interactions with the judges like in particular? Sure. So, um, luckily we got, we got our toolkits probably two, two months before flying out. So we got a packet of information and it was the challenges. It was like scheduling. It was like all really well done. The production value just on the toolkit was really good. Um, information about the hotel information about like everything that they were giving us up to that point. So we knew about, we had two months basically to prepare these three challenges. And so the first challenge, luckily I got to go in order of the the challenges as they were given. Some people were like out of order. Some people did speed round the first day in the morning. Like, um, so it definitely like definitely was, uh, kind of easier for me to kind of go in order. So I'm glad I got the ranking I did like just the timing. And so the first challenge was kettle one garnished with good. And the idea behind it, and that's an initiative they've been running for a while now, is to get bartenders to think a little bit more deeply about what goes into our cocktails on a not only environmentally sustainable way, but like in a in a community based way too. Um, and just like you know, garnish your cocktail with something good and explain why. And so I felt like that was. I don't want to say the easiest round for me, but it was definitely the one that I had the most ideas about. And so I just dove straight in and used only sustainable ingredients. I used uh, bitters and I talked a little bit about the bitters company, even though obviously you don't really want to say brand names of other brands. So we talked about the bitters company and what they're doing. They're donating the juice of their unused citrus to currently unhoused people. And I used super juice instead of regular lemon juice. I used honey syrup, which honey was a big thing in like, because, oh, sorry, that's the other thing. There's a lot of education that came with that toolkit too. Videos, tests, not tests, but like, you know, like kind of click through things and, you know, just a lot of information that they want you to know and kind of focus on for each challenge. And so a lot of what they talked about was using local honey as a sweetener versus white cane sugar, because the environmental impact from local honey is a lot less than and everything that's been trucked over or flown over or on, on boats. Like, you know, I go down to my friend's house and get honey. It's a lot more sustainable than, you know, these other ways to add sweetness to a cocktail. And so the honey is where I kind of like paused in my presentation because I promised to use only honey for all of my world-class challenges. So I chose to only use honey syrup in 
that one, the second one, and the speed round. And the finals, if I had made it there. So that was like my way of like tying together more than just the single challenge into kind of a cohesive theme. And that was just more trying to be more sustainable in general. And um, I did. And so also- this was just, just to pause you there. So this was, as you mentioned, this is a different cocktail than the one that got you in, in the first place. Correct. So, so Correct. they, they, so in addition to like garnish with good, they're like, Hey, make us a cocktail using kettle one. I'm assuming. Okay, so what the entry cocktail we never had to make, right. um, which is different from the other competition I was in that I had to make that cocktail. That was kind of like the main event cocktail. The spritz right. never got made again. Like that was just that was your entry. They loved it. Cool. You're in. Here's three other challenges you have to that are a little bit more in depth. So, yeah. And so the first one was the kettle one challenge. And so um, I actually I think but beyond just the local honey, which literally was from my friend down the street. I use his honey all the time. It's delicious. And it kind of reminds me of home a little bit, but I decided to use a product that I don't think many people know about, and it's called cultured oil. Um, So I did a cultured oil fat washed kettle one, which I usually don't modify a base spirit, but this cultured oil is amazing. It's made through fermentation, which is a process we all love, right? So um, I was immediately interested. And I the judge actually asked me, she's like, so what, how do they, how exactly do they make it? I'm like, it's a good question. It's made through fermentation. I know that. So that might've gotten me some points off, but um, the culture oil is 99% less water usage than olive oil production, 86% less um, greenhouse gas emissions than soy oil production. Like it's a really, really sustainable oil. And so of course I had to taste it because I'm like, what if it tastes terrible? Like, and so I got it and it's, it's very light, like a French olive oil, but like a little bit less flavor. So I'm like, okay, if I'm going to use this in a cocktail, what do I want to do to it? I infused it with garlic. Uh, and did my fat wash. So we had a very garlic heavy note, but I kind of sandwiched it between um, what I did was a watermelon honey syrup with locally sourced watermelon and honey in the cocktail. And then I did a salted Jersey honey foam is what I called it and did a nice foam on top of the cocktail. Um, And so, yeah, so that one was all about sustainability and I really leaned hard into it. And honestly, world-class has changed my life once again in a lot of ways, but I started after I was really learning and thinking about sustainability, I started using only super juice at home. I'm only using super juice at the bar. Um, I'm making big strides in sustainability because that's not something that was super on my radar before. And now I'm actually like one of my probably biggest three like things I champion is being more sustainable where we can and where it makes sense. You know, like I don't expect everybody to like change overnight and like go with only sustainable products when, you know, like there's certain things we might like to use, but definitely like, definitely part of my soapbox when I get on it is like trying to be more sustainable because there's a lot of easy things we can do to limit our impact. And it usually like in a lot of ways it can save us money too. This episode is brought to you by near country provisions. And I thought I'd take a moment to talk to you about one of my favorite times of the year, grilling season. To me, there's few things better than popping a couple sirloins or New York strips on the grill. And it's even better when I know that my beef is local, grass-fed, and sustainably raised by independent farmers. That's what Near Country Provisions is all about, and they do a heck of a lot more than just steaks, including wild-caught seafood, pasture-raised pork and chicken, and even add-ons like eggs, cheese, and soup bones. The variety of cuts available is staggering, and I've literally never experienced a subscription service with as many awesome customization options. 
Each month, I simply set my preferences and a beautifully curated selection of proteins arrives at my door on dry ice. If you live in the Mid-Atlantic, head on over to nearcountry.com and enter the code BARCART when you sign up for your subscription to receive two free pounds of bacon or ground beef in your first delivery. That's BARCART, B-A-R-C-A-R-T, all one word, at checkout. Becoming a Near Country subscriber is easily one of the biggest quality of life improvements I've made in the last several years, so I hope you'll give Near Country Provisions a shot and let me know what you think. Now, back to the show. That was the Kettle One Challenge, and the next one was the Johnny Walker Challenge, and it's called, their initiative is called Walk With Me. And they wanted us to select a protagonist from history, currently alive, um, someone who we feel embodies the spirit of progress and create a cocktail that you would serve to them. And for that one, we could only use one homemade ingredient. The rest was on their stock and pantry list, which was pretty extensive. I mean, it was a large list, but this is where that honey thing kind of hamstrung me because my homemade ingredient had to be honey because I wanted to use honey for all of the challenges. I wanted to use a local Austin honey for that one. And so um, kind of, I guess it's not the greatest thing, but I shipped that Austin honey to New Jersey so I could work with it <laughs> and made a honey, ginger, and um, gunpowder tea syrup to go in what became a riff on a revolver cocktail. And what was really funny is that like, <laughs> I couldn't really say the words revolver, even though bullet is in their portfolio. I couldn't say revolver. I couldn't say shoot. So I just was like, based on the modern classic that rhymes with Evolver and the judges cracked up. They love that. Um, so like I kind of found a workaround to talk about what I was doing. Cause I didn't find that out till our Q and a session. So specifically why, why couldn't you? Uh, Diageo marketing code, um, you know, and just trying to like color within the lines. Like I really didn't want to push the envelope too much with regards to that. You know, like it's not explicitly said in the marketing code, like you can't say anything related to guns, but like, you know, you want to, kind of be careful and when i asked the question they told me no you shouldn't say things like that so um but i needed to get my point across because that's a modern classic cocktail like we needed to talk about it um and so instead of bullet i used johnny walker black label and created an awesome cocktail and that i i decided to smoke that one i don't think many people were smoking cocktails in the competition i know i was the first one to use it that day but i thought it was like a really nice way to kind of blend the 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 Johnny Walker kind of peated notes with the smoke and um, gunpowder tea is a little smoky too. So there's that depth of flavor again, I was going for. So um, you also asked about like my interactions with judges, um, which I can, I can talk about a little bit with those first two rounds in the rounds themselves. And honestly, the speed round too, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of interaction, but we were all hanging out together after the challenges. So during, after the challenge, I got to talk with Adam Fournier um, because my Johnny Walker challenge, he was one of the judges for it. And it was, it was pretty personal, I would say. I, I got in a little bit on, you know, my choice of character, let's say, was protagonist was Oscar Wilde, who was like notoriously like, you know, kind of a, a wild dude, if you will. Um, but he was, you know, a, a gay man in the late 1900s. And so he was he had a wife and kid, but was like sleeping around with men. And it kind of came to a head when this man named Queensberry came to his house and was like, I'm going to have you arrested for sodomy. And dude was like, uh, I don't know what the Queensberry rule is, but the Oscar Wilde rule is shoot on sight. And so like that attitude was what made me pick him. It was supposed to embody like our spirit too. And I'm, and like, he always kept a sense of humor. He was a super funny dude. Um, but like, to me, like I read everything I did about him and kind of read that as like, 
okay, he was gay, but society kind of screwed him over, right? So, like, he couldn't be gay in 1895, like, and so, like, he was more of a product of his society, and I was really also interested in, like, kind of the duality of man. While we hold people up on pedestals for certain things, like, we got to understand that everybody's kind of got their stuff, and everybody's kind of got their, you know, things that they're not perfect with. So that was where I was going with that. So yeah, really in depth with those two challenges. Like, and then, uh, but I got to talk to Adam after and he like, he like thanked me for sharing, you know, like he was like very, he made me feel good about sharing my personal story in there and like my part of what I went through. So, you know, it was, it was cool. It was really like, really nice to have that interaction. And then it was kind of just hanging out too. We were just like hanging out with the judges and chatting and talking. It wasn't really about the challenges. It was really just about like, you know, the industry people that were there. And so, yeah, those two challenges, like I said, I think I did pretty well. I think that it went well for me. But when I got to that speed challenge is where not only was it the hardest challenge, but it was like the biggest judges. Julie Reiner was a judge for that challenge. Like I got to meet Julie Reiner, like Charles Jolie, like, you know, like these big names, Jesse Pollock and Chris Cardone. I mean, like these are people who are like legends in the industry. And here's me with like my five days of soft opening experience coming in like, hi, I'm going to try to make these cocktails. Um. But yeah, it definitely, uh, you know, everybody was super, super nice. And even when like, I quote unquote failed, like, you know, a lot of people told me I did better than some of the other people who were competing, you know, like sometimes it's just how it shakes out. It's just like a real challenge. One other challenge with the speed challenge was that that was an all pantry list. We could not make any homemade ingredients for that one. And so again, I had to use their honey syrup. No idea where it came from. No information about it to make my cocktails. So like, it was like a little bit of a wild card. Um, but then I didn't even get to serve the cocktails. So, you know shit happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like a really, really intense experience. Uh, you know, uh, on the one hand, the, uh, you know, the, the toolkit that they provided you seems like it, it helped you go in incredibly prepared uh, in, in certain respects, but there's no, you know, at the end of the day, when you're face to face with judges and, you know, you've got them staring back at you. I mean, I, I, uh, you know, I, I was able to judge a cocktail competition. I want to say six or eight months ago. And, um, it was for a lot of the bartenders, the, the first and only cocktail competition they'd ever been in. And the, the nervousness is real. So, (laughs) so yeah, I, 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 so what, so now that you've like kind of, come back from world class like what would you say the i'm sure that i'm sure there's still echoes and ripple effects still kind of washing over you to this day and will probably be for the next six months but like if you had to kind of encapsulate like what has like maybe trans transform maybe might be too grandiose, but like, but how, how are you different or better now than, than you were when the journey started, when you were just, you know, sitting with that charcuterie board enjoying a, a nice <laughs> spritz. Um, it's, you know, the, you're very much right about the ripple effects because I haven't even hardly felt any of them yet. You know, I haven't gotten the detailed feedback that they're going to provide. You know, I didn't really get detailed feedback for Patron, like, which is fine. Like I got enough feedback. I know, you know, where I messed up a little bit in that competition, but I also did very well in that competition. Like I was told off the record, I was in the top three. So that was amazing. But when it comes to world class, I don't need to be told I was not in the top 15 probably because you know i just i couldn't complete the challenge because i'd never experienced it but anyway so the the ripple effects and like the overall experience like 
I wasn't upset for but five seconds after I got out from behind that bar. I was having way too much fun. I was having way too much fun talking to all these different people and, and interacting and just like seeing Austin. I'd never been there before. I've been west of Pennsylvania twice and it's been for cocktail competitions. This is These competitions allow you to get in a room with people who are just as into this shit as you are. Like, you know, and that is like, you know, for anyone who's got the passion for cocktails, even whole bartender, like professional, like getting in that room and getting to have those experiences is it, it. There's nothing like it. There is no, there's no experience that can mimic that sense of support because that was the thing. Like nobody is out to get you in these competitions. The judges are not out to get you. The other competitors aren't out to get you. We, if I win a competition, it's, I want to win because everyone tried their best and mine was just the tiniest bit better. My idea was a little bit better. My execution was a little bit better. I want everyone to succeed in these competitions. Like, and like, I don't know if that's like, if that like necessarily translates, if you've never experienced that, obviously you've judged competitions. So so you get that from a judging side, but like, I feel like a lot of people are scared of competitions because they feel like it's going to be like, oh, everyone's out to get you. Like wrong. No, it is. We are all in it to see each other succeed, make each other better bartenders. And we're friends. We've got this group chat going on Instagram that I don't think is ever going to stop. Like there's always going to be like some like random thing that's going to be relevant to all of us that we're going to be like, yo, guess what? Like, and like, you know, maybe we have to change the name of it from bartenders with this Z to like world class 2023 so we can make room for that new group chat that might be slightly different people for world class 2024 you know the effects of it are long lasting and so for me personally um i've made a bunch of new connections i've got a call tomorrow with one of my fellow competitors who's going to give me some advice on opening a bar he's on bar opening number seven like you know like so like i'm like yeah i mean like i could use some help in that regard obviously it's not like my bar like but like it's you know right now it's my cocktail program so like yeah take all that advice give me it um but like you know like there's there's just no it's just so amazing it's so amazing to have that experience together and you know it's a little trauma bonding like it's definitely like we're all like oh my god so stressed for two days and then like you know, five of us go on to the top and the other 25 of us are like, now it's time to party. Like, we're just having fun after that. But yeah, and I got to meet two people who I know from Instagram too. Actually, I met four people, five people I know from Instagram. You know, people I've connected with just over the internet. Um, Two of them are just like home bartender friends who are, you know, at varying levels of like into it. But like with their buddies, like we've chatted, we've had it, you know, and I'm like, yo, I'm coming to your city. Can we hang out? We went out the first night I was there. It was awesome. I got getting to meet them. I got to meet, you know, two people in the competition who I'm friends with on Instagram. We've interacted. We like each other's posts. We talk. And they're two people who are like really into the competition thing. Like I am, they enter all the competitions. Like, and I won't say I enter all of them, but most of them. Um, so getting to meet them was awesome. Like, um, you know, Jonathan Stanyard is probably the most prolific competitor I know of. And, you know, getting to meet him and like talking to him about how, you know, he feels and watching him in the top five was like amazing. Like it was an amazing experience. Like this person who like, maybe I found his page like a year and a half ago. And I'm like, that's who I want to be. I want to be that guy. Like I want to be that guy. I want to be into these big competitions. And, you know, so like, it's just, you know, Julie Reiner, obviously, especially after drink masters, like people know her name more so outside of the industry. Like, so like that is like quite amazing for, you know, like that name recognition, just like when I saw she was going to be a judge, I'm like, oh, Jesus. All right. Like time to meet Julie Reiner. Like just so many good people, just good humans. Like, and it, yeah, the, the, I, the aftershock hasn't worn off. I came back Friday. It's Monday. Like yeah, I, yeah. I need time. I need time to process. <laughs> and I had my grand opening in between. So like, right, right, it's just, yeah. it's so hard to process, but like today was like a nice day. I got to just like chill for a minute and be like, huh, that mm-hmm. all just happened. <laughs> yeah. 
well, I want to talk about your bar and about South Jersey a little bit more before we have to hop off the call here. But before we do that, I want to stay on cocktail competitions and I want to present you with a scenario. So let's say one of our listeners is inspired, is jazzed up by, you know, your story, uh, getting into some of these really prestigious competitions as a home bartender. And, you know, they like, like you just said, I want to be that guy. I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have any advice, uh, or recommendations for how they might go about getting their feet wet in the space? Uh, and that could look like anything from, photography stuff, um, how to approach the application process, maybe which types of events to start with, like any advice that you have that could help our listeners kind of replicate your success. Because as you mentioned, like cocktail competitions, everybody, you know, there's a respect in which everybody wants everybody else to succeed. So like, let's take that and see if we can turn it toward our listeners and see, see if you can maybe get them into some of these competitions. Yeah. So uh, you, you're actually hitting on something that, uh, you know, sustainability is a big thing on my soapbox. The next thing, and maybe even more importantly for me right now, is getting those home bartenders into those competitions. Um, and so, you know, this is something I've been thinking a lot about. And I, the first thing is, is you have to know about the competitions to enter them. To know about the competitions, you have to look for them. Like it's not, it's not going to just come across your face unless you're in that space. And that space could be Instagram. That space could be Reddit. Uh, not so much. I haven't found so much from Reddit. You know, but that space is also your local bars. You know, if you're in a city, you're at a massive advantage. There's just so many ways to get information. But I live, you know, South Jersey. Like you know, so like for me, it was actively looking for these things. One thing I really like about Instagram lately that I'm thinking about diving into is that they have these broadcast channels where a creator can kind of use it as a platform to share information on a one-sided basis. So I'm thinking about making one literally only for sharing competitions, cocktail competitions. This uh, give them a little, you know, this one is online based only. You have to take a picture of the cocktail, go here to get more information. This is Patron Perfectionist. This is the final is in person. This is what you have to do. You know, this is Quantro. This is only open to professional bartenders, but this is the stuff. So because that's the other thing. As a home bartender, at first, and in, and I guess before, I was aware of Patron Perfectionist last year. How, whatever. Not this year. Not the one that just happened. And I was aware of world class. A, I didn't feel ready. B, I didn't think I could enter because I wasn't a professional working in hospitality and specifically bartending. Um, turned out that's never been true about Patron. And I don't think it's been true about world class, but I'm not 100% on that. Um, I do know I made it this year, so I guess we're cool. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, you know, I want to create a broadcast channel just for that because there is no really good aggregated information. I know a bar above had a page that I check regularly, but you know, until you make these nice connections you make during competitions, it's very hard to find that information. Um, so first and foremost, if there is any listeners out there that are interested and passionate, you can reach out to me. I'm a great person to talk to. I'm very responsive. Um, I don't have enough followers that like you'll get lost in the shuffle. So I see all my messages. Um, I'm also kind of just like, uh, constantly online, except now when I'm working, like I can't really just be on my phone and bartending. So like, I, I definitely want to open offer to anybody who wants to learn more about this to reach out to me. And, you know, we'll start, we, the way I started was small 
and it was an online only competition. Um, you know, and there's a lot of online only competitions. Uh, Chilled Magazine is a great resource for online only competitions. I just entered the entered the Chopin Vodka competition. Um, it's a cash prize, online only. But like, I did that, and I think it closes in like two days, so that's really not helpful uh, yeah, <laughs> right now. <nope. laughs> but um, uh, you know, that's, you know, chill magazine is one place that I check frequently, um, a bar above Instagram. Sometimes you randomly see them. And, and again, like I, I might do this broadcast channel after this podcast and just say, Hey, listen, this is where I'm going to share information about competitions that I have, you know, like, and it's, it's really a one way street and I don't mind having people reach out to me directly where we can conversate. Um, but that one way street will be kind of like it, you know, there's a little pressure when somebody messages you to respond. I feel a little bit of pressure. Um, obviously, like I said, I don't mind, but like I know a lot of people feel more pressure than I do. So like I don't want it to feel like you have to have a conversation with me. You could just join my broadcast channel and you'll just see the information and do with it what you will. But my goal is to mentor not only home bartenders, but anybody, any, you know, young bartenders, bartenders who are just getting into it, bar backs who want to be bartenders. You know, there's so many people that I'm willing and, and able to, I think, give at least decent advice to like help them find their lane in hospitality because like I'm coming at it almost from an outsider perspective, kind of coming into it. And so like, I feel like I see things that the people in the industry don't see necessarily. Exactly. So, exactly. You know, yeah. Right now, I don't know of any aggregate source besides me um, for, you know, really good information on these competitions, but you can Google them. And once you know the names of them, like Liquor 43 is happening right now. That's, I think that's finished. Um, you know, I know Patron is coming up very soon. They're going to open their applications. And so, like, I'd say for that one, like, if you're a home bartender, you feel like you're very skilled at creating cocktails and won't fall apart if you get put behind a bar behind judges, that's the one you should be really looking at. And then there's also regional ones. I went up to Connecticut. Three months ago, January maybe it was a while ago. Dale DeGroff was hosting a regional competition, and I'm like, drive three hours to a competition, meet Dale DeGroff. Okay, I'll do it. And I drove three hours to go meet Dale, and you know, just be behind the bar and doing a competition. It was a great experience. I didn't do well in that one either. We're not going to talk about me never winning competitions, but um, <laughs> I'm really good at getting into them. <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, that mentoring feature. That's I guess that's yeah, probably the first and second is sustainability and mentoring. I don't know what the yeah. third one is yet, so don't ask me. But those two are really important to me. I'm, I'm sure you'll come up with the number three before long. Um, so first off, good on that broadcast channel. Throw out that Insta. We'll, of course, link to it. Yeah, yeah. Right. At Cocktail Complex. You know, I it's easily searchable. I'm, I'm popular enough to find, but not too popular that you'll get lost in it. So. And when, if and when you do like put together any resources, like that's the sort of thing, and I'll do this is sort of like a self plug here. This is the sort of thing that we love to throw on our open community Discord server. So there will be, you know, this is the kind of resource that I'm going to be very quick to throw up there. So for anybody who's listening who's not part of the Discord, just email podcast at modernbarcart.com. Let me know that you want to be a part of it and we'll send you an invite link and you can join the conversations over there. Uh, So Mike, I want to, before we maybe hit a couple quick lightning rounds, just spend a brief moment on South Jersey. It's a place where I've spent quite a bit of time over the last decade and a half. Um, my wonderful wife is from South Jersey originally, a little bit further south than you are. And uh, so talk to me about the cocktail culture there and the project of Queen Jane's Lounge and Royal Drinkery, because if you've been to South Jersey, you know that 
in a manner of speaking, it's a bit of a wilderness when it comes to high quality drinks. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Just take that and roll with it. I think it's important to define South Jersey because as you see from that Reddit post where you reached out to me, um, that it, it's very hard to define. So you draw like a circle. Um, Asbury Park is where I will go for cocktails a lot of the time. It's an hour drive from me in Little Lake Harbor, which is like a half an hour north of Queen Jane's. Out west, you've got Cherry Hill, which is where the farm and the fisherman is. Um, Danny, yeah. amazing person. I mean, like I interviewed there a while ago. Um, it was a little far for me to do with like my current job that I had and like working there. Um, but I was very impressed with him just as a person. And I've been following him on Instagram ever since. And he's amazing he's got a book coming out he's a great awesome cool dude um he's doing a lot a lot of big big things but he's 20 minutes outside of philly so i've heard that there's some good bars in cape may area i don't know that to be a fact and i, ha I don't hang out down there so you know when when we think about south jersey i'm really talking about like Ocean County down to Cape May County and out west as far, or maybe it's Burlington. And so you got this like whole Jersey Shore area, I guess you could call it. But like where it is when you're in the middle of that, you are in a little bit of a wasteland for great drinks. There are good drinks places. Um, I found some good places, some good places closed down. But at the time of this recording, there is not a lot. And when I go somewhere that I think I'll get a good drink, it's all right. Um, so, you know, there is, yep. there's definitely that, like that sense of like, we don't, we don't have that here. So when I met Michael Bray and he showed me one of the first few people, he said, um, uh, to see the inside of Queen Jane's, I literally almost started crying. I was like, holy crap, this is so beautiful. It was so well done. And like you walk in there, you have no idea that you're in a strip mall parking lot with a target. Um, Cause that's where we are. Location is uh, not the best, but you walk in and you're immediately transported. And that's what a lot of our guests have been saying too. Like you're immediately transported. And so my goal is to replicate the success that smaller communities have found with a cocktail culture. Asbury Park is a great example. Um, you know, Asbury has 10, 15 bars. You know, uh, Heirloom at the St. Laurent is a great bar. Pascal and Sabine. I mean, there's so many good bars that when I go out for a night in Asbury, I can go out and I can make a circle and I can go and get good drinks everywhere of, you know, maybe not New York standards, but, you know, they're, they're really good. And when you go out to Cherry Hill, I don't hang out there often at all, but like, you know, if I'm going that far, I figure I go to Philly. Right. Um, but they have good drinking spots there. They've got great restaurants out there. The Jersey shore has always had great restaurants and they've always had great food, but there's been a serious dearth of cocktail culture. And what I want to do is not only make great cocktails at, at, you know, our bar, but I want to make great cocktails. I want other people to make great cocktails too. So like the best, I keep saying the best thing that could happen for Queen Jane's is that a second location opens up soon where they're interested in crafting, you know, interesting and different cocktails. You know, you can go get an old fashioned anywhere around at varying levels of whether it'll be great or not. But like even just, you know, using Demerara syrup at a two to one ratio is bigger than most people are doing. I went to a local restaurant where um, the bartender sprinkled sugar on the top of it. I'm like, huh, why are you doing this? Like, what are you doing? Like, and so like, you know, like, and I paid $16 for it too. So oh, we're yeah, that's uh beach prices, man. <laughs> it wasn't even at the beach. It was all, it's off the beach. Like oh. that was off the beach. It wasn't even on like one of the islands. Like, oh. so yeah, crazy. So like, you know, it is very much, and I feel like it's, it's not that you can't get a good drink anywhere. And there may be places that I'm not aware of. It's that there's no sense of community in with the bartenders and the cocktail culture. And so my goal is to, 
obviously get our bar up and running and be successful, profitable, and making sure that every guest that comes in there wants to come back. So far, I think we're doing pretty well with our two days open. Everyone's like, I can't wait to come back. I can't wait to come back. This is amazing. And so from there, like, I think it's really connection. And so like, I, I definitely need to work with Michael on some of my ideas because they're all going through effectively what's his bar, you know, like it's his bar, it's his project. He's been with this for a year and a half and he's been paying attention to the trend of mixology. And so like, you know, when he found me, I, I don't want to say it was a no brainer, but it really, both of us definitely knew that we had something that each other valued very highly. So um, it worked out really well, I think, and is going to work out really well, but we need to figure out how intensely we're willing to, potentially start a South Jersey USBG chapter, potentially partner with other bars and do pop-ups and have them at our bar and, you know, just start forging that community and start forging that, you know, that sense that, you know, in different cities, it's, it's a little bit different here and there. Um, you know, New York is very big. So like, you know, like everybody knows everybody, but they don't know everybody well, you know, like South Jersey is a lot smaller. And I think that we could have a tight knit community that when you come down to Atlantic city, when you come down to ocean city, a dry town, that we could have a group of bars that maybe people will want to do that. Maybe industry people will want to have a weekend at the beach and come see these bars that they've heard so much about that have these bartenders that care so much about what's going in the glass and so much about like the guest experience. So, you know, it's not, you know, I don't have a formula. Um, we're, like I said, we're just starting. So, but I'm hoping that, you know, with the ideas that I've gotten from world-class, from Patron, from people in the industry that I can come up with, some really creative ways to get the guests, the bartenders, the bar owners all involved in a way that's really fun and interesting and brings that sense of community instead of just like every bar kind of doing their own thing and like, you know, not really collaborating with our, all our neighbors. So. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a magical place in some respects and, and in other respects, you know, down in, down in South Jersey, it, it is, it, it, it is limited by, especially the closer you get to the water, the sort of uh, seasonal aspects of oh, people yeah, coming sure. down from Philly going, as we say, down the shore. And yeah, I mean, to me, like there's nothing more exciting to me than the prospect of being able to go down there like I will be at some point this summer, multiple times, I'm sure, and actually have a great experience cocktail wise. Um, so I, I'm going to do my damnedest to, uh, you know, get get a little sneak sneak up to uh, Summer's Point and, uh, oh, and yeah. check you out in person there. But uh, before we just do like a couple of like blistering fast lightning round questions here, uh, is there anything that we missed that you really want to make sure that our listeners know about you, about your project, about bartending competitions, anything that, that I completely overlooked? No, nothing that you completely overlooked. I just, I can't, I can't say enough how worth it I find these competitions to be usually you have to buy a bottle. Usually you have to, you know, kind of figure out some things and you've got to be really detail oriented, especially with the bigger ones on the prompts to make sure you're following them. But at the end of the day, I feel like that's better, a better use of your time. If you're interested in being in the industry, just being a home bartender, but you want to compete, you want to, find that sense of community because even I feel like I just took like a, a hard turn and was like, Oh yeah, I'm a bartender now, but I want the, I want home bartenders, my friends, a bunch of my friends who have watched me go from, you know, uh, my first competition to now, I want them to be like, you know what? I'm good at this. I want to try my hand at it. You don't have to want to be a bartender to join these competitions. And I think that's the biggest takeaway. I think that's what keeps a lot of home bartenders from entering is that they feel like, well, if I enter the competition, I like, do I have to like start, 
being a bartender. Like, no, like my journey is not everyone's journey. Be the home bartender, do your Instagram thing, do whatever it is you like to do. Don't do the Instagram thing. Who cares? Um, but enter the competition because, you know, that one experience could change your life, could change how you think about, you know, everything to do with cocktails. But also you just get to meet so many amazing people and it's a wonderful experience. So, yeah, connections are huge in the type of social industry that the hospitality industry is. And so I think that's great advice. Uh, so with that, a couple of quick lightning round questions. Sure. First one, uh, desert island scenario, you get to uh, have one bottle and one cocktail that is perpetually either on draft or you have all the ingredients to make it in this scenario. No prospect of rescue. What is your bottle and what is your drink? Uh, drink is definitely a mojito. Um, that's the easiest answer in the world for me. It's refreshing. It's got citrus, won't get scurvy. The bottle is a little bit harder. Um, I like a lot of different spirits. Um, I would say I wouldn't want to go too long without having like a really, really interesting bottle of mezcal. So probably a Pachuga mezcal. I won't name a brand, but a Pachuga mezcal, because I feel like that pairs nicely with my mojito. Like, and you know, I'll have something that I can, do I get a copita? If I get a copita, then I can definitely have that mezcal and be really happy with uh, my desert island scenario. Sure. Or there's shells that you could. Oh my you god, know, a shell. Right, that's right. Even you know, yeah. that's yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, yes. uh, custom lightning round question, just for you. What's something about South Jersey that most people underappreciate? This can be anything. <sighs> I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I think. <laughs> I think a lot of people underappreciate. A few things. Can I say a few things? Yeah, yeah, do it. All right. So, so one thing is that there are locals that live here year round. Um, I feel like visitors, while they understand that, like, don't quite understand what that's like. Um, and having that nine months of like, kind of our being our towns and our areas, and then all of a sudden it's just like crazy party time. Like that changes our lives and our schedules too. Like, I'm like, I gotta go to work on Friday. I'm like, Ooh, am I going to be able to get there? Do I need to get a hotel room? Like, what am I doing? You know? So I think that that visitors might underestimate that or underappreciate that a little bit and might just be a little more thoughtful about like how they're driving on the parkway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but another thing is the Pine Barrens. I think that where I live, I'm 20 minutes from the beach, but I'm like 10 minutes from the Pine Barrens. So like our, ecosystem and our you know agriculture in this area is so varied and so interesting and it's it's one of the more unique places in the world like like pine barrens is not a common thing that's known throughout the world um i know a lot of people find like the idea that we have to do controlled burns all the time on our undergrowth in the pine barrens and how like scheduled ritualistic it is like it's crazy what happens in the pine barrens so like you know like that's like a really underappreciated you go to parks and stuff so if you leave the beach and you drive for like 20 30 minutes you can get some really interesting parks and spots so i think that would be the other thing and uh, the third thing is just people are you know right now underappreciate the cocktail culture and i think in a year here, they'll be a little bit more aware of it. So awesome, awesome! I will say one uh, one commercial aspect that that I do like about South Jersey is the Joe Canals liquor store chain. As a small commercial chain, Joe Canals liquor stores punch above their weight. I would say. I um I can't comment on that because the owner of the bar actually owns two liquor stores in direct competition with him. So with that <laughs> gotcha. joke now, guys. So I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, all right. Well, this is the lightning round, so we'll move on. Uh, last thing here. Do you have any unusual or controversial views in the spirits cocktail bartending space? Yes. Yes. The one I've noticed 
recently that it's not really controversial. I don't think anyone would argue with me that rye in a Manhattan is improper. I just think bourbon is wrong in a Manhattan. I think that bourbon almost never works as well as a rye in a Manhattan for like that balance I'm looking for, no matter what the vermouth is. And like, that's apparently a polarizing opinion. Like I found that out when I was talking to some, some of my coworkers yesterday, like I've got uh, a head bartender from uh, another cocktail bar, like up north of me, uh, who's working as my support bartender was looking for something new to do. He's a great guy. He's also a great bartender, 26 years experience. Um, but he went to put bourbon into Manhattan that it wasn't specified. I was like, um, excuse me, sir. We don't do that here. Like, <laughs> but that might be a little controversial. But I yeah, like I it though. I like it. I haven't heard that one, but really like point, point blank, point blank. I agree with it hard, like hard agree. Like I know, I know I, I'm aware of course that rye is classic and proper, but, but hard agree that that's a, that's a good hill to die on because you were objectively <laughs> right, but also subjectively right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like one of those things like, but it's, it's very common. I've gotten a lot of like orders for makers, Mark Manhattans. And I'm like, all right. I mean, I'll give the guests almost yeah. anything they want. Like, sure. well, Mike, uh, this has been huge. Uh, I look forward to hopefully meeting you not in the too distant future in person yeah. on, on my on my travels to South Jersey. But uh, could you just round us out by just reminding folks how to get in touch with you and um, yeah, just just the social handles and all that. The the best way is Instagram. Uh, that's my first platform, my main platform, the only one I really care about at all. Um, it's Cocktail Complex, you know, and that is uh, like I said, I'm very responsive. I'm very like I want to be a part of your journey if you want to be a part of mine i guess like you know if you want to talk if you want to ask questions if you want to you know if you, there's anything just shoot me a message i talk to people like from all over the world like that just have like weird random questions uh someone i met from reddit followed me on instagram shot me a picture of like which of these mezcals would you buy if you were at the duty-free shop and i was like uh okay that one's good that one i'm not so sure about like you know like it's just like i don't i love that like i love again like <laughs> connection like it's not i don't really think about it as networking so much it's like that heart filling connection. Like, like that's what I experienced this week. That's what I experienced at Queen James. And that's what I experienced when I'm able to genuinely help someone out who reaches out to me on Instagram. So yeah, that's it. That's it for me. Like that's, that's where to get me. Well, Mike, I appreciate you coming in with the energy of hospitality, the true spirit of hospitality. I appreciate you being willing to share your story from sort of like the general all the way down to those granular, you know, very specific details that I'm sure our listeners are interested in. And I want to thank you for being my guest right here on the Modern Bar Cart Podcast. For sure. Thank you so much for having me. Um, sorry, my voice has been a little <laughs> messed up. I've been I've had a week. <laughs> Cheers, brother. Cheers. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, there's two big things you can do for us here at Modern Bar Cart. One would be to tell your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy listening to us talk about cocktails. And if they don't download podcasts, they can always stream our episodes on their desktop directly from the show notes page at modernbarcart.com. The other thing you can do to help would be to head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars are great, but we're more interested in your feedback. And the beauty is, the more reviews we have, the easier it will be for other folks out there to learn about our show. We're trying to start a cocktail revolution here, and by spreading the word, you're helping us fight the good fight. You can always reach us by emailing podcast at modernbarcart.com if you're looking for cocktail or bartending advice, or if you're a pro who would like to pull up a mic and be interviewed for all to hear. 
Also, definitely follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Modern Bar Cart for cocktail porn, recipes, and entertaining tips. And keep an eye out for new product releases and special offers, which are happening all the time. We love our listeners, and we really enjoy giving you exclusive discounts and sneak peeks at our latest and greatest cocktail projects. This episode may be over, but for you, the mixological fun and adventures are just beginning. So remember, folks, drink responsibly and experiment boldly. This episode was made possible with editing and sound design by Samantha Reed. Bartending and cocktail competition insights courtesy of Mike Vanderhorn, head bartender at Queen Jane's Lounge and Royal Drinkery in Summers Point, New Jersey, and a little bit of interview magic by yours truly. This has been a Modern Bar Cart production, copyright 2023.